episode of Badash Outdoors, the podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am the Ash of Badash Outdoors, which is, well, something that just kind of happened as a result of playing outside a lot. Uh, Badash Outdoors is a place where you can grab a seat around the campfire. We can talk about the great parts of outdoor life, hunting, fishing, clam digging, mushrooming, general outdoor shenanigans, uh, because I want you to get involved. It's fun, and I want to pass information uh, and education and thoughts and ideas and shenanigans along because a lot of wonderful people helped me get involved in playing outside. And the best thing that I know to do with that is to then pay that forward. Getting people involved in outdoor life, encouraging them to get outside, well, it exposes them to the wonderful parts about the outdoors. And it also exposes them to the opportunities that we have to make it a little bit better. Either way, when you're there, you begin to care about where you are. And in terms of saving our spaces where we can go play outside, we can all benefit from people caring about those spaces too. A little bit more about me. I'm a member of the Quinault Indian Nation, proud member. Uh, I'm a sports fisher. I was basically raised by outdoor activities. <laughs> Spent a lot of time outside as a kid. Uh, that never really changed. I do this podcast again because when you uh, when you receive the tools from others that enrich your life as an outdoorsy person, what you do with that is you pass it along. So hopefully, it can encourage you to go outside, play around trick a fish into eating something that's not really food, personally one of my favorites, uh, and, um, and, and share your experiences back with me. And you can do that through Instagram, Facebook. You can email me, email me ash at badashfishing.com. Um, people share their, their outdoor stories with me all the time, and I love resharing those things and talking about them. It's, it's just good stuff. So for today's podcast... Uh, I'm going to give you a guide update. I'm a fishing guide too. I didn't say that earlier, did I? Yeah, I'm a fishing guide. I'm a salmon steelhead guide on the Olympic Peninsula. Uh, So if you don't know where that is, it is the very upper left area of the lower 48. It is also the only rainforest in the lower 48. So I spend my time guiding in some of the most treacherous conditions that you can find. Um, Around Quinault Lake, it sometimes rains up to 200 inches of rain per year. It's it's insane. And just for a frame of reference, Seattle's known to be the rainy city. They get about 30 inches of rain a year. Portland, similar situation. So guiding out in the peninsula has taught me a lot. Um, and I'm thankful for that experience. It, the learning curve maybe was harder for me as a younger guide. And now I couldn't be more grateful for the things that I learned and the ways that I had to learn it because... When you go to a river, and they always say that a river is you know, a new river every day, and on the peninsula, that could not be more true. You go to the river one day, and it's one way, and you fish, and you find fish in you know, certain areas, and you get kind of familiar with that. But there are literally times where I've come down to the river, and where there was a boat launch, there is no longer a boat launch. And where the river took a left, it now takes a hard right. Um, and the river my rivers change so quickly um, that I don't get the luxury of having predictable conditions and fish that do the same thing and sit in the same places. No, I have to figure it out. And my fellow guides and people that fish the peninsula, they have to refigure it out almost every time they go out to these rivers. It makes you better at fishing because it teaches you to think about what fish are doing and not just what 
what has worked for you in the past. You don't get to really rely on that information as much as you might in other areas. The wonderful thing about that is once you do kind of figure out what your fish are doing, what they're thinking about their behaviors, you can then apply that to any fishery pretty much anywhere and have a a shot at being at least dangerous anywhere you go. And that's one of my favorite things is just being dangerous. I'm just a hazard to society, not society, just to some fisheries. And, and, And yeah, that's... That's even debatable. But anyways, you can be a little bit dangerous anywhere and it's kind of fun. Um, So again, today's podcast guide update. uh, I'll talk about my experiences as a fishing guide and and then I'll go into uh, eventually some salmon fishing tips because salmon fishing is right now what I'm focusing on. And every season there's a new set of things that I learn um, that maybe I didn't think about years before or it's just that evolution of built experience. The more you fish, the more you know kind of thing. And I'll share what those things have been for me this season. I'll also talk a little bit about prepping for steelhead because once the salmon come through, the steelhead are hot in their heels. And that is one thing that I, I love. I love steelhead fishing. Um, and, and, and I love sharing my experiences there with others too. Um, there's just so much that go into it. They are a fish of a thousand casts. They are the little ghosts of the rivers and, um, yeah, I like, I like scaring them out. It's fun. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about the King Salmon. So each week, um, that I do a podcast, I dub somebody to be the King Salmon of the week. And it's usually because they've done something really incredible in the name of conservation or helping others or just being like genuinely good people that we want to highlight. There's a lot of, I guess, tough stuff that happens out in the world. And I think I focus on kinging, dubbing a king salmon, as opposed to uh, talking about all of the chum of the world. Uh, that's not fair. Chum are great fish too. Um, and then, and then I'm going to talk about coho pumpkins. Coho pumpkins, you might ask, what is that? Well, I will share with you what a coho pumpkin is, um, and then you'll get your opportunity at having your very own coho pumpkin if you so desire. Okay, let's dive into it. Oh, sorry, Oli. <laughs> That massive scramble was um, was my dog going from the laying position at my feet to like a full uh, like scramble upright. He's staring at me, tail wagging. Um, the excited voice this close to duck season is is just too much for a Labrador to keep inside. And I don't blame you. Sorry, buddy. Go ahead and lay. Lay down. Lay. Good boy. Good boy. Um, yes, my, my trusty dog, Oli, if you've ever been out on a trip with me, it's highly likely that he was sitting at my feet while I was rowing the boat, getting tired by watching me row. Um, he's my best friend. He's my best outdoor fishing partner, hunting partner. He likes to go get the ducks with me, which is super cool. And, uh, anytime I leave him alone, I can count on him to move my shoes, around the house and leave them in various locations. Doesn't chew them, just likes to move them around. Something about mommy's feet that makes him happy. I don't ask questions and he doesn't chew them, so we're good. Um, but anyways, yeah, Oli, Oli is a big part of my my guiding season. He comes with me on every trip and uh, my clients have a lot of fun with him. He has a lot of fun with my clients and he's pretty, pretty darn good in the boat. Uh, I'm pretty fortunate to have such a wonderful boat dog. But anyways, getting into it. Guiding season, it has begun. I'm guiding right now for salmon. So coho and chinook, that's what I'm targeting at the moment. And the season this far, and I'm, you know, the 
10th day of October 2019, um, the season has been really good for Coho and Chinook. I want to say about two and a half weeks ago, maybe like three weeks ago, Chinook started coming in. Um, and then really in the last two weeks in really good numbers too. I really love the opportunities to have a mixed bag and the look on people's faces, my clients, when they say, hey, Ash, what's the limit? And I say, oh, free coho, two Chinook and like 12 jacks or something like that. Um, they're, they're super, super excited that we can go for a mixed bag. Um, sometimes, you know, depending on where you go, you can only catch one or the other or one of each or something like that. So having the opportunity to catch a couple of different species of fish, like that's that's a pretty fun day. So highlights of the season. <laughs> the things that happen in the boat. Um, and often the best parts of these guided trips are not necessarily catching the fish. I mean, not like very much are. It's all the little details that lead up to it and come after it. For example, uh, this one trip that I took, which I, I call the power right and the kisser trip. Um, <laughs> I had uh, two guys in the boat and one of the guys, Jay, he has been... Well, was like within the first group of clients that I ever, ever took out. Um, he was, yeah, um, he's the OG. He's a badass OG, if you will, a, a badass outdoors, original gangster. That's Jay. Jay brought his son Devin out. Um, and we were, we caught some fish in the morning. It wasn't like hot in certain areas, like hot and cold fishing. It was just kind of like slow and, but consistent. Like we were picking fish up all day long, like here and there, pick one up here, pick one up there, hook into one here, hook into one there. And we were kind of in the in-between time, like kind of a lull in fishing. And the sun had come out. We had just had hot lunch on the riverbank. I bring a cooker with me and we cook, we cook bratwursts, which is always other favorite word besides where's a bird. Um, Anyways, uh, so we're fishing, belly's full, sun's out, it feels good. You know, fishing's kind of slow at the moment, but you know, we're, we don't care. We're just, we're drifting. They're, the only thing you can hear is the occasion, occasional eagle and the occasional splash of a fish and, you know, my, my oars dipping into the water and just us chattering back and forth. And so this pocket that we're fishing, the stretch of river that we're fishing, is, is really deep on one side of the river. There's a wall and a little bit of structure, like every 15, 20 feet, there's some sort of boulder or downed log. And, you know, Coho just love that kind of thing. They're all over and under stuff like that. And so we would go by a tree and Devin would cast super close to it. And we'd be like, oh yeah, good cast, like good shooting text. And just, you know, just, I don't know, just having fun with, with the little details of fishing. And how oh, I did it again, Oli jumped up. Sorry, buddy. Um, and, and I started narrating each cast and he makes this cast and he drops it in the pocket. And I started, I'm like, Devin drops it in the pocket. The sun is like dancing over the water. A slow steam mist rises from, I'm just, I'm just kind of being a dork and like narrating. Like, and now Devin starts turning the handle, a slow retrieve back to the boat. And, and we had, we had like predicted that this is going to be the cast and that it was going to be a pow right in the kisser. And then I, and then I start in with the narration, like a coho comes in off the wall underneath the branch or something like that. And it's following all the way up to the boat. And then, and seriously, as I said, and then, uh, rods bent 
fish is dancing on the end of the line. And both of us at the same time are like, pow, right in that cathar. And like, he's yelling and I'm yelling and everyone's all excited. He's reeling in this fish. We net the fish, get it in the boat. And for the rest of the day, it didn't matter what happened. You dropped to the fish bunker, pow, right in the kisser. You hooked into a fish, pow, right in the kisser. Anything, anything. Oli jumps out of the boat, pow, right in the kisser. Everything. It was just, it was so much fun. Highlight of the season. It's moments like that. I will never forget these like little stories and like parts of the day that happen. I might forget how many fish we caught that day. I might forget like the size of the fish, but I just don't forget the stories like that. And that's the kind of guided experience I like. So highlight of the season, power right in the kisser. I'll never forget it. I don't think they will either. And I can't wait to get out with those guys again. Dev and Jay, thanks for coming out with me. You guys are the best. Uh, the best right along the other team. And I'll call this team the A team. Why? Because... The team consists of Ashley, myself, Andy, and Andrew. And Andy and Andrew are both firefighters and came down to fish with me one day. Uh, and we had to cancel the trip. And the reason why is because we had a shot of rain, which I knew was coming. And I, you know, keep an eye on river volume, like perpetually all the time, because uh, it's always a concern when you're a guide. And it's creeping up and it's starting to drop back down thinking, okay, like maybe the conditions aren't perfect first thing in the morning, but they will get good. And I'm good with that. They're good with that. We wake up in the morning, the river had popped up just, you know, unusually high. My fellow guides and I are like, all like, you know, we didn't really see that one coming. Holy cow. That really popped up high. My friend, uh, Ruben, um, He's a fishing guide, Ruben Estevio, fantastic guide. I highly recommend him for Quinault River fishing, for Queets River fishing, for any sort of fishing that you could do with him because he's amazing. He's like, hey, Ash, I'm going to go up and check out the Queets and see, see if there's enough clarity to try it out. Um, and then, and then we can, I'll let you know how it goes. And I was going to sit in the parking lot and I cooked the guy's hot cookies off of my uh, cooker and we decided we'd eat cookies and talk about fishing until we got an official report. The report comes in, the river's blown. Like, I'm, I don't want to drag anybody out in a river where, you know, I don't feel confident that we can catch fish. And, you know, sometimes sketchy conditions can bring sketchy situations. Uh, we're not about that on my boat. I'm all about, you know, keeping things safe and fun. So we decided we're going to do it another day. And I appreciated that they, you know, even though they had come out and stayed the night, you know, they were out there doing other sorts of fishing and that was cool too. Um, sometimes it's easy to get really disappointed when the weather doesn't work out for us. They took it in stride, decided to come back, you know, I think a week and a half later and we had just a stellar day. I mean, the float fishing with eggs that day was just stellar. Uh, limited out on Chinook and then we were just playing with Coho the rest of the day. You know, we had ourselves some hot lunch. We had a pretty day. Um, it was just the A team. It was just the A team all day long. And I couldn't be more thankful for how cool people are. Um, and rowing those guys down the river was a piece of cake. Um, that's the great thing about fishing with firefighters and, and other, you know, folks. Like when I hop out of the boat, they hop out of the boat. They're happy to drag the boat up on the shore and stuff like that. It's just really nice for me sometimes. It's the small things that I appreciate too. I just got up again and so did Oli. Oli, what's wrong, man? No, we're not going hunting right now. We're not. We're just chilling at home recording a podcast, buddy. Is there something you'd like to say? Is there something you would like to say? Yeah. What would you like to say to them? Tell us all about it. 
Okay, they know, they know. Good boy, okay. Okay, go lay down, go, go lay down. Oh, <laughs> uh, what was I doing with my life before I got a dog? Waste, that's what it was, a waste. Um, so yeah, Powerite and the Kisser, the A-team. Um, rowing my boat has been just such a wonderful thing for me health-wise. Um, so if you are a client of mine or followed any of my stuff for a while, you know that I actually, you know, my first guiding boat was a pontoon raft and pontoon, pontoon raft, pontoon. Uh, it's like 15 foot. It could seat, you know, four, including the rower and it was a really great beginning to rowing for me because rafts and pontoons are quite forgiving. So if you kind of like graze a rock, you're just going to bounce off of it. Um, so the upside is the learning curve. It was just really the right thing. And I had a lot of really great memories on that raft. Um, we called it Frankenraft because it had like a welded modification to it. And it was just, it was a cool raft and it was like blue. I don't know. It was just cool. Um, and, but I ended up, you know, kind of outgrowing it, outgrowing it in the, in the sense that I wanted something a little bit bigger and more comfortable for my clients. Um, and <sighs> there's this thing that happens when you're on the lower cleats, as soon as noon hits, the wind starts blowing straight up river and it doesn't, doesn't matter where you are in the river. It's going up, up river, like straight in your face. And imagine like a little a balloon, like if you take like a balloon, like a small balloon, like a latex balloon and you blow it up like halfway and you set it down on the water and then you just like, like blow air toward it. You can just blow it across the water piece of cake. That's how I felt on this pontoon at noon every single day. It was always pushing into the wind. And, and when I would like stop rowing for a moment, like right back up river, I would go like, it was, it was kind of, it was time to, it was time to level up. I leveled up. And I leveled up into a Klaka Craft drift boat, a Klaka Max, actually, an 18-foot boat. And I remember my first season on it. It wasn't a full season because I was still going pretty hard at school. Um, but I put, like, a number of trips in on my Klaka Craft boat. And, gosh, the room, the ride, all of that was so comfortable. I just wasn't used to rowing such a big boat, especially when I had it loaded up with people and gear and things like that. And this season, you guys, you should, I have like traps. I have like, I have my upper body is like definitely taken, um, taken to rowing the boat. <laughs> um, so definitely built some muscle, uh, getting this thing rowed around down river. I mean, and now, now it feels like super comfortable to row. It's easier for me to maneuver. Like I had to build a little bit of strength, but man, this boat is just incredible. It's such a comfortable ride. Um, one of my groups of clients started calling it the clack a lazy boy, which is super accurate because you just like sink into a seat and sit down and there's like braces around you and stuff like you lean on stuff. It's just really, really comfortable. Um, so that's been a fun part of my, my guiding season is getting more comfortable with my, with this boat. And now it's time to start like, bedazzling it. Oh, I was probably, is that, a, yeah, yeah. You guys know what I mean by that bedazzling. I need to put like some, it needs flair. <laughs> it's just all light gray. I have no wrap on it or no logo on it, but I need to start like working on that sort of thing and get some, put my stickers on it. 
Um, so we'll see how that looks over the coming weeks. If you have any ideas, um, any color themes that you think would be really cool for my boat. And if you want to see a picture of it, I have a few posted on my Facebook page. I'll post another one too, and try to get your guys's ideas for like what a design might, what design might be cool for that. And, and building the strength to row that boat, a part of the way that I did that is um, by, well, one, just keeping with it, rowing, eating really, really well. I make these things called protein bites um, and keeping well fed on the river, which, which if you're a guide or you've spent a lot of time around guides, they are so poor at it. We, they, we, we are generally so poor at it because we're so keyed into fishing that we don't think about eating. And so these protein bites and some other snacks that I bring along the river have really, really helped that. Um, and being a cross, a crossfitter. Yes, I, I know I'm one of those. I'm a part of the cult and I really love it. It's not a cult, but it kind of is, but I still really, really like it. Um, it's fun. You kind of get to be a kid and go and like do handstands and, and work out in different ways. And, and what I love about CrossFit is there's, um, it's so full body, um, and it's really transferable to what I do outdoors because, you know, I'm lifting, I'm throwing things around I'm picking up fish. I'm, you know, carrying weight over, you know, and crawling over logs and stuff like that. Like, so some, something that kind of, prepares me for all of the things that I would encounter as a guide, as an outdoor person, as a fisher, as a hunter, um, is really what I need. And in CrossFit's been that thing for me. I've been posting a little bit about it. Um, I've kind of been nervous to post too much about what my CrossFit journey has been like, but maybe it's a good thing to share because that fitness has been really important for my quality of life and for being a, a river athlete. Do you like what I did there? calling myself a river athlete. <laughs> is that even really a thing? It is now. Um, so crossfitting, river athleting, athleting, river athletics. There we go. <laughs> so this has been a lot of my experience as a guide. And, and I will say, like, I'll also address this because I, I'm telling you about all of the good things, the pow right and the kisser moments, the, the days where we caught fish and or days where we had the odds stacked against us and overcame. But I will say that there have been some mistakes too. I've made some mistakes this season and I've made some hero calls as well. Um, and you know, maybe a hero call is the day that the rivers blew out, but I had a plan B and went into this little, you know, walk-in spot and just threw all of the fish up on the bank in a matter of a couple of hours. And that was a hero moment. And I'm, and I'm really glad that, you know, some of those things pan out. But I also just made some straight up mistakes. I remember spending too much time at certain sections of river and I should have moved down a little bit quicker. It would have been better. And, um, and, and like I've made some like scheduling errors and I can't thank my fellow guides enough for, for helping and supporting me through those mistakes. And, um, and like, I will call out my fellow guide, Letty, and I will call out my fellow guide, uh, Ruben, and my fellow friend, um, guide friend, Barry, these people just all just shown up in really awesome ways. Um, and, and even my friend, Charles Anderson, look all these folks up online. And if you want to book a trip, um, of course I would love for you to go with me, but man, if you ended up on their boats, you wouldn't be sad. They're fantastic people. Um, they've, you know, are always willing to give a kid a tip here and there. They've been on the rivers longer than me. I respect and honor that. Um, and so that's been my, my guiding experience. There's been great moments. There's been some mistakes. And, uh, at the end of the day, we still, we still threw a few fish in the box 
and uh, made some memories. So, well, make sure you tune in uh, on the next podcast um, because I'll have a couple of pretty big updates to share. I just can't quite yet. Like it's, it's hard to say good big news too soon because you don't want to have to like eat words or take it back. So I have to wait just another week. I know that's a totally rude thing to put out there, but this podcast isn't called good ash outdoors. So there I can, I can, I can hold information for a little bit, but I won't hold it that long. I'm excited to tell you guys some things. It'll be uh, some ways that I end up sharing my outdoor experiences and stories in a, in a new in a new way. And I'm excited to bring you in on that. So, okay. I should also quickly tell you about coho pumpkin. Uh, a coho pumpkin is something that I made. I actually made them over the last couple of years just to appease myself, <laughs> but I get pumpkins and instead of carving them, I make them look like different fish. So I have one that looks like a char. I have one that looks like a coho. I will post those on my Facebook page. And if you want me to make you one, I will probably make you a custom <laughs> fish salmon pumpkin or fish of your choice. If you want a steelhead pumpkin, great. It's something that I'm just doing as like a side hustle because it's really, really fun and it seems to make other people happy. So if you want one of those, shoot me a message. We'll see what I can come up with for you. So coho pumpkin. Uh, next trips are coming up. I am headed to South Carolina in two weeks. I'm going fishing and spending time with my Shimano crew. I am horribly biased. I have a great relationship with this company. I couldn't be more proud to represent uh, Shimano, G. Loomis, they're killer products. They're super supportive of me. They've uh, exposed me to some incredible friends and people. Uh, one of those people, Captain Ben Powers out of South Carolina. Uh, if you are headed to the South Carolina area, to the East Coast, you're thinking about fishing, Ben Powers. And I have a handful of guides there that I would highly recommend. But he and I are going to go fishing when I go over there. And I am super stoked for this. Uh, recently, he has been trying his hand at sword fishing. And if you listen to my podcast for a minute or followed any of my social media, you know that I uh, was a part of a team that caught a swordfish over the summer. Ben was a part of that wolf pack and he's been figuring out the sword fishing game in his area. So we were in Florida, he's in South Carolina, but he's getting it figured out in his area. He's an absolute stud on the water. He doesn't know it yet, but I'm going to try to host a trip to his area and have him take uh, me and my group of guests out fishing and it could be the most epic trip ever. I'm super excited about it. So I will give you updates once I go on that trip and come back. You'll probably see it on social media, on Instagram, Badass Outdoors, on his, on mine, all of the medias. It's I couldn't be more excited to show you other experiences from other places of the world or other places of the country. So uh, I, I mentioned that I would share some salmon fishing and best tips and techniques for the year. So I guess kind of back to guiding and kind of tying into things going forward. Here's some of the top, top things that I've learned uh, from my experience this year on the river. And like I said, fishing expertise and skill set is an evolution. And so here's some things that have stood out to me. And I really really it's being prepared for all of the conditions because the conditions change so, so fast. So I've had days where I've been out in the water and average water flow, three, four feet of uh, visibility into the water. You know, the weather's holding pretty, you know, it's maybe it's a little overcast, but it's not like raining really hard. We're not dealing with a big pressure change. 
So we're in that condition. Then all of a sudden the water gets really, really like cloudy and the ceiling drops. And all of a sudden you have like low clouds overhead. Uh, I've had a lot of days where, you know, the water went from clear to dirty to clear to dirty or from dirty, dirty, dirty to, you know, really clear, really fast. And I'm talking in the course of a guided trip. So not like a whole day, like in the morning and then at night, I'm talking about from 8 a.m. to like, you know, noon, like these kind of switches. So being prepared for all of these conditions has been really paramount. So here are some of the things that I'm bringing out on the river with me right now. I bring a lot of spinners. Yes, I really like hardware. Um, Coho and Chinook can be such a sight strike fish that the shiny blade, the little dancing little hoochie behind it. Um, I use like a torpedo style um, spinner. I actually started picking them up from um, Steelhead Slammer, which you should check that out, out on Instagram. Steelhead Slammer is building um, spinners and selling them. They're actually really, really good. You can order them with or without a hoochie. Um, if you, uh, have any questions about those, let me know or check them out on Instagram, but yeah, bring a lot of spinners, eggs. So I always bring eggs out with me for salmon season. Like, come on, it's salmon season. And this year, which feels a little bit different than other years, usually when I bring eggs out, I'm going to get coho on the spinners and then I'm going to sink eggs into certain areas that I know will hold Chinook and I'll get my Chinook on eggs. I have caught more coho this year on eggs and Chinook on spinners than I think I have any other year. So with that, that information tells me to not make those assumptions just because this seems more like coho conducive water. That doesn't mean I shouldn't run eggs through it. And just because I think that all of the Chinook are piled up here, that doesn't mean I shouldn't run a spinner through it. So that's what I've learned there. I'm also bringing out twitching jigs. Uh, twitching jigs have worked well for me in smaller rivers. Um, even though I am picking up fish on bigger rivers and bigger, you know, pockets of water with them. Um, but I bring in those casting plugs. Casting plugs have saved my bacon more times than I can count this year because those days that I was talking about where the water gets really, really dirty all of a sudden and you go from, you know, two feet of visibility to six inches of visibility, throwing a big casting plug gives you a big profile and this big bright thing and it's rattling around and making all sorts of ruckus in really dirty water to be able to consistently pick up fish with a casting plug has saved my bacon so many times this year. And I'll post a couple photos of what those look like, but I'm using the Brad's Wigglers and uh, not the, the, I'll post the size. Um, they have different names for the sizes and it's, it's eluding me right now, but casting plugs, they are fantastic. One thing I will say with that is if you're using braided line for casted plugs, even if the water's really, really dirty, give yourself a bumper, a leader from your braided line to your casting plug, because the hooks on those, if they come in contact with the braid, man, they slice them really fast. Um, so if you're the type that likes to go straight braid to plug, I really highly suggest not doing that. You'll keep more fish and you'll keep more, more casting plugs too. And I'm also bringing spinners with the hoochie and the scent. Yeah, I like adding a little bit of scent to those hoochie skirts, adding them to a spinner. It can be just another, another way to entice a fish to bite. So those are kind of like the five go-tos, well, four to five go-tos that I have for salmon fishing right now. 
And when I'm going to the rivers and I'm figuring out where I want to fish, these areas change depending on the water level. So I said I deal with a lot of different river levels. So what I've noticed is in typical conditions, you know, maybe salmon sit in, let's say, deep mixing bowls and things like that. But when the water gets a lot higher, I like to think of like how fish are going to move a little bit differently. So sometimes when you have high water situations, they'll sit a little ways back or just ahead of those big deep mixing bowls and not necessarily in the heat of them anymore. So just think about where you can um, try out different areas to fish. So maybe further back in the tail out where you usually catch fish if the water's high and then right smack in the dibble, in, in the dibble, in the middle of the <laughs> deep water. <laughs> when the when the river's a little bit lower. <laughs> that was fun. Um, and think of the river like a highway. So let's, you know, you're, you're looking at your river and on the highway you have the, the fast lanes and then you have like the shoulders and then you have like, you don't know, like the sidewalks on the side and or something like that. So if you think of your river like that, where is the main highway? Where are the majority of these fish going to go up? It's probably not the super shallow sandy side. It's probably going to be the deeper, swirlier, rockier side with more structure. So as you're thinking about it, like where, where is the highway? Figure out where fish are going to be on the highway. Um, and, and again, in that high water, low water situation, think about how those things change. So salmon, um, coho and Chinook, they like to sit around structure. They want to be hidden. They don't want to spend a lot of energy if they don't have to. They generally won't be like really deep in the heat of fast water. They will generally be in deeper, slower, swirlier, foamier, back eddy-ish kind of water where they can be hidden from all the predators like bears and you and me and other things. So think about it like that. And don't count out the days that seem like less than ideal conditions. This used to be a big problem for me, especially as a guide, because I want to take everyone out on like the perfect day for fishing. And less than ideal conditions, turns out the days that I've had less than ideal conditions have been some of the best days. So don't, don't look at the rivers and think, oh, you know, maybe it's a little on the high side, a little on the low side. Do it anyway. You'll learn a lot if nothing else. And there will be days where you just, it doesn't make sense, but you caught more fish in super dirty water. I certainly have had days like that. And here's another one. Here's a big one that I actually learned um, over the last couple of years, and it's proven true very much so this season. Don't count out traveling water areas. It's a big lesson for me. And I'm really happy that I've started doing this a little bit differently on my guided trips. What I mean by traveling water areas is let's say you fish this river and you know that, you know, there's this spot where you catch fish and there's this spot where you catch fish and there's this spot that you catch fish and, you know, they're all downriver from each other. And you row your boat to the spot or you walk to the spot or whatever and you fish and then you go over to the next spot and then you go down to the next spot. You don't really spend time on the in-between waters. Something that I started doing, especially if you're tossing spinners and, and you can do it, why not? Like while you're moving from one spot to the next, like keep something out, keep something out and fishing. As a guide, I want to just spend time at the places that I know are going to have a good payoff, but I've really, really concentrated on fishing hard, those in-between spots, and I've been really pleasantly surprised almost every single trip um, because trying those areas, it's like, I really don't think a fish would be sitting there, but maybe they are traveling through those areas and you're in the right place at the right time. Don't count those moments out. Don't do it. Just make the cast. You can't, you can't, 
what is the saying? You can't, um, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you can't take. There's other sayings that go with that. And I can't think of them right now. So don't count out the traveling water areas. And if you're thinking about where you do want to go, uh, fishing right now, where can I go and who can I go with? Uh, most coastal rivers in the peninsula right now are filling up with salmon and even the higher reaches of river are getting uh, more fish and they're getting better in terms of fishing. And who can you go with? You can go with me. You can go with me and you can book at badashfishing.com backslash book, or just go to the website and go to the booking component. Uh, if I'm not available, uh, shoot me an email. It could be just that I haven't released a whole bunch of dates that, that sometimes happens as I have a lot of transition and other things going on in my life. So if you want to go fishing with me and you don't see a date that you want, email me anyways, and I'll probably be able to help you figure out. Regardless, I'm happy to recommend people in my area and surrounding areas. I mentioned before, I have a lot of wonderful peers around me and and, and, and this isn't true for all fisheries. There's sometimes a sense of competition and rivalry between guides. And, you know, there's, there's that everywhere. And our area is no exclusion. I will say, though, that the group of guides that I have on the Quinault and Queets River, um, they are just top-notch people. They're really good fishers. They're excellent, excellent guides. They are, we're, we work as a team more often than not, and I'm going to like tribute a lot of that to a few people. One of those people being Ruben Estevio, just he's happy to check in with me and see if I'm okay. He's happy to provide a report. He's not like, um, not the type that, you know, needs to withhold all of the information. And I understand that that's important to some people and I'm not making any judgments either way. Um, I just appreciate that the guy's confident enough to say, Hey, this is what I did and this is how I did it. And just because other people know how to fish doesn't make his fishing, you know, better or worse. It's, he's just confident in his own game. And I think that that's super cool. So I recommend him. And a lot of the folks in my area are really good guides. So if you need recommendations, let me know. But get out there, try things. And, and while you're out there, keep your eyes peeled for big game and birds because that's happening right now too. Um, hunting's coming up. It is happening right now. Bird season starts soon. Oli and I are very excited. Um, and, and this summer, uh, late spring, early summer, uh, I shared before I went down to the Leupold Optics uh, training academy and I had a wonderful time there and I haven't shared a lot of that experience and that's because I experienced some loss at the same time so hours into my experience at Leupold Academy I received a phone call that my my hunting partner um, had passed on due to an accidental gunfire um, and the irony of being at a training academy, um, shooting guns and finding out that information, it was, it was very conf internally conflicting for me. Um, I'm starting to share some of that story and some of the photos of and video of that time with the loophole gang. The first photo will be posted later on today. The photo is a moment, uh, me sitting on the floor with trainer Tyson Schimmel. It isn't long after I received the news and I, I couldn't be more thankful for how two complete strangers showed up for me in a very dark moment of my life. Um, and I, I'm excited to share this with you um, 
because it's real. Uh, it's, it's real and it's the reason why outdoor lifestyle, hunting, fishing, all of these things that we like to do is so important. Um, and I guess I'll just lead in right now with dubbing the king salmon. There are two king salmon. There are salmons. There are two king salmon. I dub the Brandon and Tyson. So Tyson Schimmel was my trainer at Leupold Academy. Brandon was uh, another person who was an excellent hunter and was supporting uh, and f- helping facilitate that training. You guys showed up for me hours after you had met me in a very dark time, you encompass one of the most meaningful parts of being an outdoors person, or at least what an outdoors person is to me. It didn't matter that we just met. We already knew each other because of our experiences outside. You could have just let me be when I found out that my friend had passed away and go and talk with my other friends and give me space. Um, But instead, you sat in the hard stuff with me. You sat on the ground while I tried to pull myself together. You let me work through the tears um, and breathing during each trigger pull. You let me shoot until my my shoulders were sore, which seemed like the most appropriate way to grieve my friend at that moment. Um, It's people like you that make me sure that spending my time outdoors is the best use of this life that I have. And thank you for being there for me. And thank you for all that you do to help other people get more involved in hunting and um, become better at, at shooting. So I dub you both. Brandon Tyson, you're the king salmon of the week. You guys are the best. Um, so that is kind of it for this week. Uh, we're, we're coming back next week. I have some news to share, but I also want to address your questions too. So if you want to hear me talk about something, send me your questions or ideas on Facebook, Instagram, email me ash at badashfishing.com. Um, you can send me a letter in the mail, but I don't know. I don't, that takes a long time, but I do like getting letters in the mail. So that's nice too. review this podcast, share it on your social media. I would love to get the word out and uh, reach more people, help more people get involved in outdoor stuff. Um, This information is about, you know, my guided tours and about, you know, me and these podcasts. And this will be posted on my website, badashfishing.com in the blog section. I'm also on YouTube. If you like cooking fish, you're going to like my YouTube. Um, Like I said, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing your guys' feedback and uh, coming at you next week. So with that, we disembark and I'll see you next week. Bye bye. (laughs) 